0: This should be played at high volume. Live and local. Let's go, on? A little light, man. This is Acadiana's number one sports station. 1037 The Game. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. We're, we're finally, time for the world famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no holds barred sports talk. It's better
1: than Desperate Housewives. Oh! Yeah
0: better get ready yeah, no! yeah, no! because under the dome with cd starts right now on 1037 the game
2: and welcome everyone to under the dome with cd right here on 1037 the game and 1037 the Game.com. appreciate you listening in to acadiana sports station however you're doing so on this beautiful louisiana saturday morning and, of course, we're coming to you live from the 1037 Game studios. Appreciate you if you're listening in on 1037 gamecom the free mobile app, or whatever you're listening to. Over the next hour, we got Brad Spielberger. He'll be coming on at the bottom of this hour. And we're going to get down to the brass tacks of what the hell is going on with the future of this New Orleans Saints team as we approach the offseason. Because, obviously, the Saints, they are definitely – in a hole, and they got to dig themselves out of it. Now, how the hell are the Saints going to dig themselves out of the trouble this time? It feels like every year, once we get to the offseason with the New Orleans Saints, it feels like an episode of Dukes of Hazard. Whenever the the boys jump to General E and it freeze frames, like, I wonder how the old Duke boys are going to get out of this one. That's what it feels like with the New Orleans Saints every single year when it comes to the salary cap. How is Mickey Loomis and the Loomisnomics, how are they going to figure out, how to get out of the hole they're in. It's a conversation we're going to have for a good while, and we'll get to that more later on in hour number two. But right now, I want to kind of flip it over to baseball for for a little while. Just bear with me. We'll get to some NFL talk in the next segment, but if you want to call in, 337-706-0111, because it feels like deja vu. A lot of stuff, it's Groundhog Day, and it feels like that again with what's going on With the MLB and the contract negotiations, call it what you want. I do not and will not probably understand for a good while what the hell and why the hell these things happen and why we continue to be in this situation. Why exactly are we still waiting for word about whether or not this season is going to be starting on time or not? The MLB and the MLB PA, honestly, are completely ridiculous. And it's idiotic, if I'm going to be frank with you. I think this group hasn't done a damn thing to prove anything to me. They've just been an absolute mess, and then some. I I cannot, I, I still just am... I get flabbergasted every time I think about the fact that this man, Rob Manfred, has pretty much solely the good name of the sport in more ways than one. Going back to what happened during before the pandemic even, about three years ago, or no, two years ago. Let me take that back. It was over two years ago. Whenever he decided to chastise the Houston Astros, and again, there was some justifiable reason why he said what he said, but calling the world series championship, a piece of tin, a piece of metal. It's not a great look. And then you get to the point where, you know, the COVID pandemic happens. And again, you had to make some tough decisions and you have to kind of figure out what you're going to do in the, in that strange period where you're not playing or how are you going to play? How are you going to go about the season? Is MLBPA? PA, is always going to be for the players, and they, and I get that. But I begin to wonder how much of this is going to wind up hurting the game. Is there going to be a work stoppage? That's the million-dollar question in all of this, is will there be a work stoppage, yes or no? And I'm starting to think there will be because nobody seems to be wanting to do anything. It's going back to what happened a couple of years ago. And I still don't understand why. I don't understand at all. Why we continue to see this franchise just jump all over itself and lose all control. Like, they just have... I'll go ahead and steal a phrase from the world of the... I, I still don't understand why they use this phrase, but a lack of institutional control with the MLB and the MLBPA because they just sit there. Again, they literally are just sitting there on their hands, not doing a damn thing about saving this great sport we have that is the MLB. And it's because of the fact that these billionaires and millionaires are fighting. And I wonder, what's it going to take? Because the MLB, I know without a doubt, all the owners are like, come on, players, get it together because we've got a season to play in a few weeks' time. That's a, that's a fact, a scientific fact this team, ha- they have to get this season in if we're being like 100% honest with each other. They have to get this season in. Because if they don't, not only are you losing profits, you're probably losing a lot of fans on a more permanent basis. And it's almost solely because of the way this team works and the way this whole thing, this it's almost organized crime to a certain extent, the way this works. The millionaires and billionaires are fighting again. And they got to realize at one point, there's going to be a winner and a loser in this entire debate and you don't want to come out looking like the loser looking like the Jabroni like i just think that this is a situation this is going to be a war that could very well ruin baseball and i'm a huge fan of it but if we have a shortened season this i mean you're going to lose a lot if you can get this season in that is going to be an absolute win for rob manfred and crew and they don't get many wins often but they get that season in, and it's around about 100 games. More power to them. God bless them. But if you are below that, and it's another shortened season, it's going to hurt, and it's going to be felt on a big scale. Don't believe me? Seriously, go look at how much the league lost during the pandemic. The pandemic hurt. The MLB, probably a lot more than others. The NFL didn't really hurt their bottom dollar all that much because they got to the finish line, they played an entire season, and a lot of franchises were starting to allow fans back into the stands. And that didn't hurt the profit margins at the end of the day. The only thing that really hurt it was the fact it wasn't a like nationwide thing. Some franchises weren't allowing a full attendance. Weren't allowing, we're allowing partial attendance, in some cases <coughs> New Orleans. That's kind of where it's at. The MLB has to make this des- des- makes this decision and make it fast. They're supposed to have a counter offer next week, but I feel like the counter offer is going to be a lower number, and we're going to be continuing with this. I'm hopeful that when we get to April, we get we air the Astros here right here on 103.7. The game, as you may well know, but I'm hoping once we get into the month of April, we've got LLC baseball. Getting into SEC play, the Houston Astros open up their season on time. But I'm starting to doubt a lot of that. But we go out to the 103.7 the Game hotline with our first call of the day. Hello, you're under the dome.
3: Hey, good morning, Mr. World Famous. How you doing this I'm morning? doing good, Mr. Jamie. How you doing, brother? I'm doing all right. Look, man, I'm I'm listening to you and I couldn't agree more with you about the baseball. Look, Boyford is just an idiot. I won't even call him Manfred because he's not a man. He's a cowboy. <laughs> Boyford is just an idiot. He just, all you got to do is follow the money, right? you got billionaires and millionaires fighting, as you pointed out, but Boyfriend's still breaking it in hand over fist, man. And he doesn't give a, a rat's patoot about the sport in general. He doesn't care about the sanctity of the sport. He doesn't care about the integrity of the sport. He doesn't care one whit about anything of the sport. He just cares about his paycheck. And so until Major League Baseball can get a commissioner who actually cares about the sport, just like the NFL with Roger Baddell, you know, unless you can get uh, a commissioner that actually cares about the sport as much as the fans and the players do, you're going to keep having these issues. So I'm hopeful that they'll be able to come to a, a resolution and get this done, but uh, as hopeful as I am, I'm not seeing it happen anytime before May.
2: i am agree with you there. I, 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 if they get to May, that's a huge win. If they get to May, that is going to be a win in my book because if he start the season in June – and it ends in October as it's like typically is, because I don't see this being a situation where you play into November like you did during the postseason and the COVID-shortened year. This has to be a June to October season, or else the entire thing is a failure, and you pack it in. And as you said, Rob Manfred, with uh, with the yellow streak running down his back, he's going to be – and I, again, I agree with everything you just said there, Jamie, and I appreciate the call, brother.
3: All right, you have a good
2: day, man. I, I, Mr. Jamie, appreciate the call. But, you know, anyway, so Rob Manfred probably has that yellow streak down his back. And I think he is an ex-sucking dog. You know, he absolutely is that kind of guy. And I just cannot, in good conscience, root for that guy ever. And I get it. He is a guy that's made a ton more money than I'll ever see in my entire life. I can almost guarantee you that. But when I sit here inside the 103.7 Game Studios and I just continually pummel this man and it's just relentless. There's a reason why I do it. There's a reason why I want to just be like Shawn Michaels to Marty Janetti and throw him through a glass plate window. That's kind of where I'm at, because if we're being honest, he has been the biggest thorn in the side of the NFL. He's been that guy you cannot stand. You just, you cannot reason with him. And somehow, someway, you're supposed to get to a point where you can reasonably make a deal with him and say, hey, let's go ahead and get this season going. Let's go ahead and get this season going on track. And what Mr. Jamie said about just commissioners in general, because Roger Goodell has been an absolute mess. But here's the thing. The NFL, the I mean, the only good commissioner in all of sports is probably Adam Silver. That's the only good commissioner. And I think it's more because of the fact that Adam Silver understands How important it is to have a global mindset and does it the right way and presents it a certain way to where it can be worldwide instead of trying to force it to be a worldwide thing, a worldwide game, when it's just strictly American football. You can't put American football on in Europe and expect people to take it. You did that back in the 2000s with NFL Europe, but even then... It was very much a single-A type of game. And people aren't going to want to pay top dollar, especially when they have the Premier League to watch American football played at a middle-of-the-road level. And that very much was what NFL Europe was. Baseball needs, like, sports needs more Adam Silvers and less, you know, Roger Goodell's, Rob Manfred's, and even Mark Emmert. Even Mark Emmert is prop like, in this conversation, I think Mark Emmert's the least hated guy. Maybe we can put the poll question up on 1037 the games Twitter account at 1037 the game. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Clint Domingue about what, which commissioner is the absolute doggone worst. And maybe you can call in 337-706-0111. And I'll throw just these three names out there because Gary Bettman's Gary Bettman. He's just been an absolute mess and damn near ruined the sport of hockey. But I am not Everybody's a huge hockey fan, especially in this area. So I get it. So we're going to go ahead and just table that for now when it comes to Gary Bettman. But the names that I'm just going to go ahead and say right out the gate of people that absolutely positively in my mind need to be sent off into the night, never to be seen again or heard from again. I think we can all agree, no doubt. It's got to be Rob Manfred, Roger Goodell, Mark Cameron, and we're going to get to Mark Cameron at the end of the show. Don't you worry because what they're doing with the constitution of the NCAA, it's not necessarily the best thing in the world. Now, hopefully more details come about on it, but it's not looking, as my my grandmother would say, not too pretty good. So we'll go ahead and just leave it at that when it comes to the MLB. But if you want to talk about the worst commissioner in all of sports, I think we have a really good point to be made for all three of these guys. Maybe that's something I'll bring up more down the road. In the next segment coming up, we'll talk about The NFL, because we had the wild card, we're getting that much closer to Championship Sunday in the NFC and AFC. I'll give you my thoughts on that. Who can make it there? You know I have the Cincinnati Bengals and the Green Bay Packers winning their games, but who knows what I have to say. We'll talk about that next right here on 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD.
0: After all your problems during the week, it's finally the weekend. Woo! Yeah, baby! That's what I've been waiting for. That's what it's all about. That means you're getting more Under the Dome with CD right now on 103.7 The Game, Acadiana's Sports Station.
2: And welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on 1037 the Game and 1037thegame.com. Hopefully, you're having a fantastic Saturday afternoon. And of course, you know, if you keep it locked right here to Acadiana Sports Station, later on today, we've got a doubleheader on tap for you. Coming up at around, let's say, 3 o'clock today is going to be the first game of. This doubleheader, three thirty. Let me go and make sure we got that right on our end. Yeah, three thirty p.m. today is going to be game one of the doubleheader tomorrow. We'll have another doubleheader. It'll be all right here on 103.7 The game, Acadiana Sports Station. Thanks to Westwood One's coverage of the National Football League. It all begins with the Bengals at the Tennessee Titans, and we'll get to that right now about the NFL because last weekend, wildcard weekend was a weekend filled with. We talked about the Cowboys a lot in the opening segment. So we'll leave them behind. But we saw something over the weekend that felt great. It feels different with a lot of new guys. There's a a sense of newness across the league. Now, obviously, there's still some old, but it felt like the torch started to be passed a little bit more towards the future. The Patriots lost to the Bills in the postseason, and lost in, like, again, I talk about the Cowboys, I hate to see them lose. The Patriots, I hate to see lose, too. I, I love to see lose, I should say. Love to see the Cowboys lose and love to see the Patriots lose. And I love to see the Patriots lose in epic fashion. This was the worst Patriots loss I've ever seen in the postseason. They, I, I think the Bills could have put up, like, 60 if they really wanted to. They could have put the absolute hurt on them. Now, I'm a firm believer in the Kevin Foote theory when it comes to baseball. Football's a little bit different because you have time to kind of figure out what else you want to do. That said, this is going to be a uphill climb for the Bills because the, the, the Bills have a really tough road to hoe in their postseason run because they're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. This should be, uh, most years, an AFC Championship matchup and I think most years it's going to be but you're playing Kansas City at Arrowhead I gotta give the edge to Kansas City here gotta go with the edge with Kansas City with just relative ease and it's not because of the fact that the bills scored too many points I just think the Chiefs are going to be a little bit better you've got Chris Jones he'll be in the mix there so like that alone has me intrigued. He's going to be back in the mix. I think that team is going to be better than what we saw the Chiefs play the Bills earlier in the year. I think the Chiefs are getting better now that it's the postseason. They're used to that bright light. I would love to see Josh Allen knock it, knock him out, knock the Chiefs out of the postseason, because I know a lot of people aren't necessarily the huge fan of Pat Mahomes now, but I think he's going to start holding dominion over the AFC. I said last week, the AFC is getting better overall because of the fact you don't have Tom Brady running things. But I think now you've gone from Tom Brady to this guy. And that is, without a doubt, I think Pat Mahomes. Josh Allen and that team is getting better year in and year out. And I think there's going to be a time when they do crack that glass ceiling and get back to the postseason and get back to the Super Bowl. Because that's going to be the biggest thing for that franchise, for that team is to get back to the big game. That's the goal. It's a lot like the Atlanta Braves. I was saying for a while, on this station, I think the Atlanta Braves had a chance in the next couple of years to win a World Series. They finally did it. Did it against my Astros. It sucks for me as an Astros fan, but again, I get it. I understand what happened. I understand why. I'm happy for them. It sucks, but you know what? You kind of... Take what you can get in this situation. That said, the Chiefs are just a team that I feel like can't be beat when the postseason does start. The Bengals and the Titans, I love the Bengals, and I feel like I'm almost, like, too happy for that team because I would not be surprised in the slightest if that team just falls flat on their face in there. I hope it doesn't happen. But I wouldn't be surprised if it did. And I've been a big Joe Burrow fan. And I, I saw somebody bring this up. It's like, why are people immediately just jumping over to being a Bengals fan, being a fan of Hude, just because of Joe Burrow? Yes, they're a fan of him because, of, like, solely because of Joe Burrow. But I think there's something to be said about wanting to see somebody that you've seen at the collegiate level succeed. Like with Elijah Mitchell. He may play for the 49ers, which it feels almost like rooting for the communist in some cases. Rooting for the communists to win in Rocky. Like that's not the American way of thinking, but you know, a guy Kevin Foote would probably think that statement to be pretty true. But when it comes to Joe Burrow, I've been, I, I I'm rooting for him solely because I endorse this guy so much coming out of LSU. He was well-deserved to be the number one pick. He did everything in his power to get to that point. Now, what happens next is going to be up to him. But I like what I've seen over the last few years at LSU and now with the Bengals. The game started to slow down for him. I talk about the future of the NFL. Joe Burrow is without a doubt going to be a future NFL MVP in the next five years. Is this team is being built the right way. They're being built properly. And more importantly, he is a guy that, again, once the game slows down for an NFL quarterback, it becomes so much easier. The offensive line is going to get some help. And the offensive line, yes, it probably still gets deserved hate, but I think they're getting better. I would not be surprised in the slightest if the next two or three years The Joe Burrow Bengals are a Super Bowl team. I have them winning outright against the Titans. But I'm very much nervous about that one, more than any of the other five I've got. Because, again, when you pick with your heart, you usually get your heart broken and stomped on. I think this is that prime example. So that's kind of where I'm sitting on this on the AFC side. On the NFC side you've still got the old stalwart, the veteran the guy that feels like he made a deal with the devil somehow, someway almost 20 years after he won his first Super Bowl 20 years ago in 2002, he won his first Super Bowl yes, you heard me right Thomas Patrick, Edward Patrick Brady Jr 44 years young is still in the postseason. What the bleep is going on? And he has a deal with the devil. And now he's playing the Los Angeles Rams. Ha, ah, boy. We're going to see the, the Patriots and the Packers again, or the, the Bucks and the Packers again, aren't we? That's what it feels like. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. The Rams have to do Herculean stuff to pull this off. And the Rams, again, they 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 faltered against the 49ers in week eighteen. I wouldn't be surprised if they lose this one. So I gotta go with the Bucs winning there. As much as it pains me to say it as an NFC South fan, and I can't stand the Bucks. Never really have, to be honest with you. This goes back to the first Super Bowl team in 03. But again, it's been twenty years since Tom Brady won in the Superdome against the St. Louis Rams. I think that's going to happen again. I think this team is absolutely poised to make another Super Bowl run, and it sucks. The only other team I think that can beat them is the Green Bay Packers, but you have to have Matt LaFleur not be conservative AF on the calls. You can't have him be conservative as hell this entire time. You cannot do that if you want to win and make a Super Bowl. If they can do that, Aaron Rodgers is out the door. And Saints fans, you won't get him. I just don't see that happen. Could be completely off base, but that's just my opinion. That you'll see the Packers beat the 49ers and Elijah Mitchell's phenomenal rookie season. And if not for Jamar Chase... I throw in a nomination for Elijah Mitchell to be Rookie of the Year on the NFC side. Jamar Chase is absolutely going to be Rookie of the Year in the NFL, no doubt about it. If there's any, like, if Mac Jones gets it, I'm going to blow a gasket. And I have nothing against Mac Jones, but what we're seeing from Jamar Chase was historic, and further, and like Justin Herbert deserved Rookie of the Year, but it still sucked to not see Justin Jefferson, a guy who absolutely made that team way better than it should have been and was a bright spot on a bad season for the Vikings. It's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how that rookie of the year voting goes. Jamar Chase should absolutely be rookie of the year because what he's done is outstanding And add The fact that the team's in the playoffs, he helped get that team to the playoffs. That should count for a lot, but probably doesn't according to the world of the NFL. But we're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout when we come back. We've got Brad Spielberger, pro football focus, a salary cap expert. He's on the hotline, so we'll get to him next right here on 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com.
0: Under the Dome with CD is far from your ordinary sports talk show. I am
2: the ball of the voiceless
0: what other show has more pop culture references than an episode of family guy i just don't want to be involved in any of that mess now back to the famous cd on 1037 the game acadiana's sports station
2: Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Coming to you live from the 103.7 The Game studios. Hopefully you're having a great Saturday afternoon. I know I sure am, and I'm absolutely excited to bring on our next guest. It's just an absolute pleasure to have somebody on from Pro Football Focus, a salary cap analyst in Brad Spielberger Esquire talk about some Saints salary cap issues it feels every year we continue to be in that situation where we wonder what is Mickey Loomis going to do to get us more importantly under the cap and also make some free agency moves so we'll get to that right now aboard 137 game hotline once again our good friend Brad Spielberger part of pro football focus Brad how you doing man I'm doing well how about you I'm doing good and I want to start off looking at the saints because last I saw the estimation keyword here estimation is that the saints are going to be a whopping 60 million dollars over the cap has that changed and like how did we get to that number of 60 million over the cap based off of estimates
1: yeah so that is actually because we already know the 2022 salary cap is going to be about 208 million dollars. That's actually not even. I'm not going to say it's not an estimation because obviously things could change. But but that is a more certain number that 60 million. But I'm sure you remember last off season they were about 100 million dollars projected over the salary cap, and they found a way to make it work. And and the good news is I think the path forward this year is actually easier than last year.
2: So you talk about the path forward being a little bit easier this year. Obviously 60 million versus 100 million. It doesn't take a math whiz to figure out that's a little bit less than what we had. What we had to deal with last year. But what makes it easier to kind of do this and get under that salary cap, make some potential free agency moves, and more importantly, not have to mess with too much of some of those big money-getters like an Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, or Cam Jordan and have to manipulate their contracts any more than they have to?
1: Yeah, so the difference this offseason around is they've set up a bunch of deals with the idea already that they're going to restructure them. So the two that jump out is Marshawn Lattimore and Taysom Hill. When they sign those extensions, they put, they set it up so that there's a big lump sum salary in the first year of the deal. And what they're going to do is as soon as the new league year begins, they're going to convert all that salary into a signing bonus like you've obviously seen a million times before. And it'll clear a bunch of cap out. And then, of course, if they do go ahead and extend Teron Armstead at left tackle, same scenario where they would actually, just like Taysom Hill, they would actually clear cap space with an extension for him. So those three moves already get you a pretty far along. And they just have a couple other guys that can rework. They may have to. I know you said that, you know, ideally they don't mess around with Cam Jordan or Michael Thomas or those guys. They might, they might have to, um, but it's not going to be as drastic as
2: last year. I would hope not. Cause I mean, you look at this team, they want to getting, uh, letting go some really key cogs, especially along the front seven. Namely, I think the name that everybody's been bringing up is Trey Hendrickson, who has done a bang up job with the Cincinnati Bengals helping get that team to the postseason and their first postseason win since before you can make text messages. So you look at that, like, is there any guys out there that are going to be, like, you have to keep and or, or else you could suffer some uh, similar fate to what you suffered this season? Because obviously this year was just a horrible end to it, the fact that you lost not because of your ineptitude, but because of another team just go ahead – and blowing a big lead after halftime felt like you were rooting the Atlanta Falcons to win there, but you were playing them week 18.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I, I do think there's, there's fewer guys that are can't lose guys. Not obviously Trey Hendrickson was not, um, I know, uh, you know, you had me on the show last year and I was wrong in saying that I thought Marcus Williams was going to be playing elsewhere this season. I still do think he probably does not get the extension in New Orleans that he might be playing elsewhere next season, um, but you never know. I mean, I obviously like him. He's obviously a very good player. Obviously not Jenkins getting up there in age at safety. So it'd be good to have him, in, you know, in the mix. But generally if they want to get a deal done, they find a way. And so I think it's interesting that, you know, Marshawn Lattimore comes into the season on a fifth year option. They get his deal done. Ryan Ramchick, the same thing, but Marcus Williams on the franchise tag a year later, still can't get that long-term extension. So I think he's probably the one big marquee guy they may lose, but, I'm not sure that's, you know, that's, that's a death, tell, death knoll. They have a lot of good players in
2: that secondary. Talker now, Brad Spielberger, part of Pro Football Focus, a salary cap analyst. And when you look at the way this team's obviously set up for the here and now, what's kind of going to be the biggest key outside of obviously restructuring deals that that were going to be restructured? And you look at some of the guys that are going to be coming up, who's the most crucial guy? Because I think, in mean, my mind, it's Jameis Winston. You're going to want to kind of keep him because despite what everybody wants about getting a Russell Wilson or, or uh, Aaron Rodgers to come over because apparently they're disgruntled with their respective franchises, but that feels like pie in the sky. I think the more realistic thing is to run it back with Jameis because he'll more likely than not be 100% healthy for the start of the season, and he did a pretty serviceable job whenever he did play.
1: Yeah, James was solid, no doubt. And I think because of the injury, yes, of course, there's you know the risk that he maybe misses some off-season training and all that, but it also at the same time will keep his price tag down. Um, and they could probably look to run back almost the same deal, kind of you know, a one-year, five-million deal with, with some incentives that could boost that up you know higher based on play time and performance and statistics and stuff like that. But I'm with you. It still comes down to quarterback. I know they've told us over and over again that Taysom Hill – could be the future that's just not true and I think we we know that now Um, his deal honestly his deal is a tight end contract I think it was based off of the Austin Hooper contract kind of gave the framework for that Taysom Hill deal so yeah I mean quarterback I know this is probably not the most groundbreaking thing to say but quarterback is still what it's all about if they can't get one of those veterans to come along I do think Russell Wilson is interesting but if they can't convince one of those guys I do think Jameis Winston or maybe even a guy like a Mitchell Trubisky that you could get on a one-year flyer
2: and just hope that Sean Payton can work his magic. Do you think Russell Wilson's like a remote possibility if you can like really work that Lumisnomics magic and get yourself down enough to where you're not having to give up the farm in terms of, you know, trading to get him and more importantly be able to restructure him and sign a really decent deal to keep him around long-term because it's, it just feels, to me, very pie in the sky, but I know you are a lot more kind of ear to the ground when it comes to salary cap.
1: I think you raised a good point there. And that the complication comes in with the, with the fact that you have to both give a trade package that they would want and then figure out the money. And so I would say a, a scenario that maybe doesn't work is I don't think Seattle is going to follow the Bradley-Robie approach in Houston. Uh, for folks that don't remember, you know, Houston agreed to retain a bunch of salary in order to help facilitate that move. And the Saints, in turn, giving a third-round pick was probably more than his actual value. But because Houston retained about $7.5 million, you have to boost the, co- you know, the compensation. So I don't think Seattle would be open to that. Um, but I'll tell you, I, I mean, Russell Wilson named those four teams he was interested in. And the Raiders, Cowboys, and Bears seem pretty set at quarterback. And so the only team left is the Saints. And, and I know in Seattle, they're not married to Russell Wilson. They, they, they like him, obviously. He's a good player. But... They would explore a trade for him, and and they would take the Kings ransom, no doubt. But you know, maybe New Orleans steps up and, and finds a way to get it done.
2: And you know, looking around the NFL, obviously, with the way the world has worked in the COVID times we're in, a lot. I mean, this past season, you, the big reason why the Saints were a hundred million dollars over the cap was because of the salary cap going down due to COVID, kind of messing with some of the revenue. Who are some other teams that are going to have to really make some tough decisions to where the free agent market could very well be loaded, and if the Saints don't go get a Russell Wilson and are able to restructure and be able to get enough money to maybe get some other like splash free agents, who are some other teams maybe fans of the NFL need to keep an eye on?
1: Yeah, I mean, this should be welcome news to Saints fans, but I think you can make a strong argument that the Falcons are actually in a worse position than the Saints. I mean, their, their current projection is not you know $60 million, but the Atlanta Falcons have five players on the roster next year. Actually, one of those is Julio Jones, but so he's not even on the roster. They have, they have five players taking up over 60% of their cap. It's just Matt Ryan, Jake Matthews, Grady Jarrett, Julio Jones, and Dion Jones, the linebacker. Those five guys already account for $130 million on the cap next year for that team. So, they're going to once they, they you know they they did nothing in free agency last year and it might be a struggle for them to do anything in free agency again this year um, and then i think the philadelphia eagles as well they've obviously cut their costs they've obviously moved on from a lot of players but they still are kind of clearing the books after they made a huge push post super bowl to try to get back there and they still have some older guys they need to move on from
2: Talking right now with Brad Spielberger part of Pro Football Focus, a salary cap analyst. It's always good to have a nice conversation with you and get a perspective of what it all means. Cause again, when you see like sixty million dollars in the red as a casual fan, it's like you wonder how the hell do you get out of this? But I think you've given plenty of perspective. And before I let you go, why not give us what's the latest going on at Pro Football Focus, how y'all are handling this never-ending salary cap madness? Because I'm sure that a lot of other teams that are going to be dealing with the same questions over the next several weeks and months.
1: Yeah, so something you pointed out that, that is spot-on is, is no team's expecting the salary cap drop this year, obviously. No one foresaw that, and and not only did they not foresee it, they didn't plan for it. it. It's not something teams have ever had to worry about in the past, so there's no reason to plan for it. So a lot of teams were you know were facing kind of an unprecedented situation and they had to get creative, but... The beauty is, as, as Saints fans are obviously well aware, you can push cap into the future, and the cap is going to spike in 2023. I, I could see it jumping to maybe $230 million plus. And so because that's there, and you know the cap is going to rise as TV money comes in, now as sports gambling money comes in, all these new revenue streams, the Saints approach of pushing money down the line is fine. It's a viable approach. Obviously, you know, you have to, you have to do some, some work and, and maneuver some things around, but It's not going to bite them again like it did this year.
2: I would hope not, Brad. But thank you so much for coming on, my man. Before I let you go, why not let people know what you got brewing over at PFF?
1: Absolutely. So our our top 100 free agents list is out. So as you mentioned, if if the Saints want to dip into that pool, we've we've listed the top 100 guys for our rankings, good scheme fit and team fits, including some Saints guys, and a projected contract for all 100 of those guys. So fans can get an idea of maybe what they would sign for.
2: Brad, thank you so much once again for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, man. Thank you. You too. All right, That was Brad Spielberger pro football focus. Always good to have that conversation with him about what's going on with the New Orleans Saints with salary cap. Because it feels like, I said it last week, it's always going to be a point of conversation because we never know exactly how it all kind of blends. That's Basically, the whole crux of the New Orleans Saints over the last several years has been, can they get past the salary cap hump? Can they get to this point where they are comfortably ahead and in the not-too-distant future maybe get some of those quote-unquote splash free agency moves? Now, mind you, I think the Saints have proven that getting the splash moves don't do you a bit of good in the long run. Jason Point, a Champ Bailey, a a lot of other guys. Jairus Bird, the list goes on and on. Those names didn't help you out at all. But getting guys like DeMario Davis, who I think you got, relatively speaking, on the cheap, wound up being one of your best free agency moves in franchise history, definitely of the Peyton era, no doubt in my mind. We'll go ahead and take a quick timeout, wrap the show. One final take, and NCAA, I'm coming to you. We'll go ahead and take that quick timeout now. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD right here on 1037 The Game and 1037TheGame.com.
0: Just before we close up shop here on 1037 The Game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one? Or is it going to be one he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out.
2: All right, we got one more thing to get to. And again, I talked about it earlier, bad commissioners, bad people who just run things. I think one of those at the top of the list has to be the NC 2A and their new constitution. He's at a convention recently, and now they're basically saying that, hey, We've done nothing, and we're out of ideas. When it comes to fixing the NCAA, now it's all about shifting the power and shifting the blame to the universities. And again, Mark Emmert, with all due respect, is a moron who just completely wants to just be a guy who is the commissioner of the NCAA without really having any power. Now it's going to be coming down to the universities and conferences about how to handle things. That's not the way to go about it. You need to take ownership, Jack, and say, hey, I'm going to make things better. I'm going to go ahead and improve certain things. But no, we're going to go ahead and go in the exact opposite direction. And that's disappointing to me as a fan of college football and a fan of sports in general. Why we're getting to this point and you're just basically giving up and letting the inmates almost run the asylum to a certain extent In a world where it's the wild, wild west with the transfer portal, the NIL and everything in between, you've made a monster and now there's no way that you're going to even bother trying to regulate it. You might as well just go ahead and let the Power 5 programs leave on their own accord and move on. Because that's what it sounds like you're doing. You're cutting your losses at this point and that's not a great look and that's the bottom line here on the one last take of the show appreciate everybody for listening in we'll be back with you next week got to give special shout out to our guy mr. Jamie for calling in and also big shout out to Brad Spielberger for coming on the program talking about the Saints salary cap and where things stand because obviously you know even for me seeing $60 million over the cap it makes me concerned a lot like a hundred million got me concerned, but I think our guy at pro football focus took the time and we stepped back. We figured out what the issue was. Guess what? Now we move on. We're going to start making game plans. And more importantly, we're going to have an idea of what free agency is going to look like for the saints. And hopefully it's a lot more fruitful. When it comes right down to it, because the last year, not necessarily the best free agency moves, but I'm thinking we're going to get to that point. Again, appreciate everybody for listening in. Until next Saturday, same bad time, same bad channel, 10 a.m. to noon, right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Peace!